Open your Bibles to Psalm 91. Tonight we're going to look at verses 5 and 6. The word says that you shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. So, Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that it's powerful. We thank you that it's active. We thank you that it never, ever returns void. And I'm asking, Lord, for the hearts and the minds of every person in this room tonight to just be open to your spirit, Lord God, that they would be anointed to hear and softened to receive the power and the seed of your word. Lord, you promised that your word won't return void. And so I'm asking, Father, that every word that's spoken in this place would be your words and not mine. Lord, don't waste one of them with my stuff. I pray, Father, that you'd seal my lips to anything that isn't from you. And Lord, your word would be so alive in this place. Lord, that people would have rhema, rhema words. Well, as soon as they receive it, Lord, it would be like a rhema to them. It would be an aha. I didn't even know it meant that kind of word, Lord God. I pray that you'd, you'd penetrate their, their hearts and their minds with truth. Lord, that it would go directly to the place in their life that's needed. Lord, that they would be able to make application, Father. And Lord, that your word would transform us in this place. Have your way in this place, Lord. Have your way. Lord, I pray that you just take over. Wear me like a pair of pants, Lord. Spend me like a coin in your pocket. Father, I pray that this would be all of you and none of me. Lord, I thank you that it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by your spirit, Father, and we just submit to your spirit, and we ask you to have your way in this place tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to take notice in those, in those verses 5 and 6. Look at what it says. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that lays waste at noonday, or at, that walks in darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. I want you to see that it's 24-hour hour coverage we're, we're talking about here. Morning, uh, noon, night and day. Do you see that? Uh, morning, evening, noon, and night. It's covering it all. All of your life is covered by his protection. Do you see that? When you make the most high your dwelling place, or when you get into that secret place with him, you are assured of his protection. I want you to see also that every uh, uh, evil is covered. Everything you could possibly fear is covered there. It talks about the arrow that flies by day. Those, those are people's nasty, unkind words. That's slander. That's gossip. That's nasty things that have been spoken over you. That's the enemy's lies coming at you. They're, they're arrows. They're things that pierce you and go directly to, to the core of your being. Their arrows are aimed. People's words sometimes are aimed to wound, to bring destruction. 
Can I tell you that when you are in the secret place of the Most High, you are protected even from that. Oh, it doesn't say that none of this stuff is, is not going to come at you. You will still have arrows as long as you live. In this world, the Bible says, you will have trouble. Not you might. You will. I don't want you to think for one second Psalm 91 is isolating you from trouble or heartache or despair. All it's saying is that you are safe with Him. You are protected from the effects of it. You don't have to be taken out because of it. Do you, do you see it? I will tell you, I've been praying lately that the Lord would just show me if somebody is nasty or somebody's unkind or says something mean to me. I've been saying, Lord, help me to just see the brokenness. Help me to see beyond their words to the broken heart that would do it. Can I just tell you that if someone is nasty to you, if someone says cutting mean things to you, it really, if you could just step back and not take it personally, if you could say, you know what, they're just broken. Hurting people, my mama used to say, hurt people. And, and if we could just mature and grow up in our faith, and instead of reacting, instead of taking offense, remember, it's a trap, it's bait. Instead of doing that, if we could step back and just say, you know what, the, the, this really isn't something I need to take personally. It's really coming from their brokenness. And you see, if, if we could get to that place, how much how much happier we would be instead of giving that person so much power in your life. Can I just tell you that nobody has the power to take your joy. You surrender it to them. Nobody has the power to steal your peace. You surrender that to them. Joy and peace, those are fruits of the Spirit. They come from abiding in the most high place. Nobody can take those from you. You, you let them have it. Graham Cook says that stress is always an inside job. Some of you, your, your fears and your heartache and your pain comes from stress that's just overwhelming in your life. It's an inside job. You, you, you can't, you're giving that thing power in your life. And some of you are laying awake at night thinking about what Susie down the street said about you or Sam at work said about you or, or what your boss did to you and, and how nasty they were. And can I just tell you, you are losing sleep senselessly. Give it to God and let him protect you from those arrows having power in your life. Don't give somebody that kind of power in your life talks about the arrow. It talks about pestilence. Pestilence is anything that's a threat. It's destruction intended by the tongue. It's the calamity of life which require refuge in the Lord for protection. Pestilence is, is a disease and it's something that spreads. And can I just tell you, rumors spread. And, and what else is a pestilence in your life? What is something that's stalking you? What is something that's coming at you? Notice it says you're, you're safe from the destruction. That, that word destruction there, it means something that's trying to destroy, to lay waste. It refers to something uh, trying to render you useless or devastate or destroy you. Uh, anybody, can you identify with things in your life that have tried to do that to you? It talks about arrows, pestilence, destruction, terror by night. The things at night, the sudden attacks, the unexpected attacks, things like rape or robbery or kidnapping or murder or fire. Some of you here tonight are so controlled by fear that you lay awake at night and you worry about things that haven't even happened. I think it's Job. I wanted to look up the reference and I forgot, but I think it's Job. Somebody can look that up for me. And, and he says, the thing that I have feared has come upon me. 
The thing that I have feared has come upon me. Do you understand that the 99% of what you worry about never, ever happens? <laughs> Can you just get into that secret place with the Most High and rest in his presence and trust him with your life? Do you understand that we are hidden with God in Christ Jesus? Or we're hidden with Christ in God. We are hidden in him. We, we are safe in his presence. We are seated in the heavenlies with him. And we're here and I'm here in front of you. But I'm telling you, Rhea is seated in the heavenlies with Christ. That's where I'm at. That's where I function from. When I preach, I say, Lord, help me to just step out of the heavenlies and just preach from that place tonight. Because that's where I'm at. Safe with him. Can I tell you that if we are hidden with Christ in God, that means our circumstances are hidden with Christ in God. I, I think he's capable of taking care of it. He spoke and the world came into being. I'm pretty sure he can take care of my problems. And you see, when you finally get to that place of realization that nothing can touch you outside of touching him, he's got it. He's got you. But you see, so much of that is because we don't understand who we are. I want you to look at this passage. I printed it out right before I left. And I want you to turn to Romans 8, verse 15. He says, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. I love 2 Timothy 1, 7. It says uh, that, that God has not given us a what? A spirit of fear. It's a spirit, and it's not a holy one. Can, can I just tell you, the next time fear grips you, I want you to say out loud, I do not have a spirit of fear. I've got a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Can I tell you that the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you? That's a spirit of power, mind you. That has power over your fears. And I will tell you that if you're sitting here tonight and you are paralyzed by fear, you are tormented by fear, you are haunted by fear, it's a spirit and it's not a holy one. And it's not from the Lord. He has not given you a spirit of fear. And so you've got to start wising up to the schemes of the enemy. The Bible says, don't be unaware of the enemy's schemes. Leslie, do we not say that to each other all the time? I'll say, Leslie, I'm not unaware of the enemy's schemes. Can I just tell you, Satan, I am not unaware of your schemes. I pray all the time, Lord, don't let me be unaware of the enemy's schemes. Keep me a step ahead of them. And you, some of us are buying into the enemy's schemes here tonight. It's a trap that's been set, and you're taking the bait. He did not, God did not give you a spirit of fear. And some of you are going to have to say when fear grips you because it will. David says, when I am afraid, I will trust the Lord. Jehoshaphat said uh, he was frightened and then he set his mind to seek the Lord. You, you see, all of these examples in scripture, it wasn't that they didn't feel fear. It was that they refused to give it a place in their life. They ran to the secret place. They ran for cover. We, we have got to start running for cover and not being unaware of the enemy's schemes. And so at those points, you need to say out loud, thank you, Lord, that you've not given me a spirit of fear. Thank you that I have a sound mind. I am not going to lay in bed all night and rehearse this thing in my head 24-7. I have a sound mind. I have the mind of Christ. I'm not going to think about how I'm going to get even or get back because I have a spirit of love and of power. But I do not have a spirit of fear, and I'm refusing this thing in the name of Jesus. And I'm receiving, Lord, 
that sound mind that you gave me. And I'm resting. I'm resting in your presence. But look at Romans 8. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to what? Fear. But you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs of Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I wanted to read that to you tonight so that you would understand that you have not received a spirit that will make you a slave again to fear. Because, you see, if fear controls your life, you are a slave to it. The enemy can just throw something in your face and make you afraid and paralyze you. It can keep you from moving forth in the ministry that you know you've been called in because you feel fair, you fear failure. It can keep you from, from, from having a friendship that, that could really bless your life because you fear rejection or you fear abandonment. It can keep you from really having intimacy with your husband or your wife because you fear that if you let yourself go with them, they might have the power to hurt you. It can, it can make you fear. That's where I will tell you that, that that's where insecurities come from. Insecurity is rooted in fear. Somebody might look better than me. Somebody might get a better job promotion than I do. Somebody might appear more powerful in ministry than I do. Somebody might have a better husband than I do. It's insecurity. It's rooted in fear. And that, you will be a slave to that thing, can I tell you? Women, I told you I'm talking especially to you when I talk about insecurities. You have got to do some business with God with that thing. It will destroy you. It will destroy you. It makes you look weak and pitiful. Get victory and start moving ahead in who you are in Christ. I'm so sick of that. Can I tell you? Do you know how ridiculous it makes you look? Find out who you are in Christ. Don't let what somebody thinks about you make you insecure. I did a conference a number of years ago, less how long, maybe two years ago, in Houston. And, and it was a big conference, and, and there was a big speaker there. You know, she's got books. She's got titles. She's, everybody knows her. And, and I was terrified. I was like, Lord, I'm just Rhea. <laughs> I'm a nobody. And everybody knows I'm a nobody. And why did you pull me with her? And, and I was so intimidated and I was so insecure. And, and I'm telling you, it ruined the whole trip for me because I let that insecurity drive me. Can I tell you that God made me to be who I am? And I just wish I could have ministered in that place instead of letting it steal my joy. And now some of you, you're letting it steal your joy. You're so worried about the fear of man. I pray constantly, constantly, Lord, deliver me from the fear of man. You can't do what I do and have the fear of man. I can't worry about what you're going to think when you leave here. Whether you think I'm a big mouth and way too passionate or not doesn't really matter to me anymore. It used to, but it doesn't anymore. Can I tell you, it will keep me from preaching an unadulterated gospel. It will. It will it'll keep me from preaching an unadulterated word of God. I will change my message to please you if I worry about the fear of man. And I will not do that. There is one I'm seeking to please. One. 
And we've got to get to that place, church. I am so tired of people being one thing when they're talking to me because you know they can be super spiritual when they're talking to me. They, they can talk about passion. They can be passionate for the Lord. They can talk about the gifts of the Spirit. They can talk about the Holy Spirit. They can talk about all that stuff. But then if they get with this person over here, well, what is this person going to think about them if they do that? That's compromise. That's pathetic. That's compromise. You look God in the eye and say, I'll be this way with this person and this way with this other one. No way. We have got to start growing up in our faith. If you are letting fear of man motivate you, God will never be able to trust you with where he's going to take you, where he wants to take you. Because all the enemy will have to do is throw in a little fear of man and it'll paralyze you. We have got to start growing up in our faith. Fear, fear, it, it, it will paralyze us. Whether it's fear of man, whether it's fear of the unknown, whether it's fear of failure, whether it's fear of rejection, whether it's fear of whatever it is, it will paralyze us. Fear of your, your child going astray will keep you from disciplining them the way you want to. Or it'll make you discipline them too much and it'll make them go astray. Do you, do you see it? Fear it is not a, a spirit from God. It's not agreeing with God. It's agreeing with the enemy. Faith is agreeing with God. So, so I want you to look at that scripture in Romans that says he's not given you a spirit that will make you a slave again to fear because fear will always make you a slave. But he has given you a spirit of sonship. You see, here's the root cause. Here's the root that keeps us out of the secret place. Here's the root that keeps us uh, motivated by fear. It's that we don't know who we are. We have the orphan spirit. We don't have a spirit of sonship. We have an orphan spirit. Is Kate not in the room? Is, is she out in the hall? Sweet Kate, Leslie's daughter Kate was adopted from China. And, and I'll never forget when they first got her. And she was just this little teeny tiny thing. And, and, and I remember how just she, she was afraid of Don. And, and she, would, she would cry when he tried. And he just looked at her wrong. She would just cry and she'd scream. And, and, and it wasn't, now I watch her with Don. And, you, and she's her daddy's girl. Can I just tell you, she is her daddy's girl. I, I think sometimes Les should be jealous because she just has his heart. And, and you can just see that two of them, how they relate. You see, she went from an orphan spirit, that orphanage in China where, where, where she laid in a crib and, and, and didn't know who she was and didn't know if she was safe and well taken care of. She had a parent that left her. But I'm telling you what, when she got adopted who, by Dawn and Leslie, she found a daddy, a daddy who will take care of her, a daddy who will love her, a daddy who she can count on, a daddy who she knows when looks at her wrong. It's only for her own good. And can I tell you that she has gone from having an orphan spirit to a, a spirit of sonship. And you and I, so many of us sitting in this room tonight, you have an orphan spirit. You don't know you have a daddy who loves you. You don't know you've been handpicked, you've been chosen, you've been adopted from the orphanage of this world, and, and he wants to clean you up and take you home. Oh, I have a friend. I have a friend that did a conference a number of years ago, and, and it, was, oh, it was down south somewhere, and she picked me up at the airport, and her name was Kathy, and her husband was a, a physician, and she was the director of women's ministry. And, and it's always hard, it, not so much since Les travels with me now, but before when I was traveling alone, it was just hard. Somebody would pick you up cold at the airport who you didn't know, 
and you'd have to sit with them in a car sometimes two hours to get to the conference center and make small talk, and, and that's always hard. I mean, it's hard. And, and so Kathy, I, I, I was driving with her, and I didn't know her, and I said, you know, tell me about your life. And she told me that her, her husband was a physician and that they had three children, and, 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 and really uh, one of them was adopted from Vietnam. And I said, oh, really, tell me, tell me about your your son who was adopted from Vietnam, and she said, well, you know, we had a son and a daughter, and life was perfect, and we had everything, and didn't really want for anything, and she said, and then the Lord just laid this on my heart that we should adopt this child from Vietnam, and she said, I just was like, Lord, are you sure? Because you know what? I, I know that I can love a child that's mine, but, but I just don't know, Lord, if I can love a child that's not mine that isn't biologically mine, that didn't come from this body. I, I just, she said, Rhea, I was just being honest with the Lord. I didn't know if I could do it. And, and she said, yet the burden was so heavy to adopt this child. And, and so she said, we went through the paperwork. We did the paperwork. And she said, we thought we could stop at any time. And, you know, we just began to pray about it. And she said, each time I would say to the Lord, Lord, I just don't know. I don't know if I could love a child that, that isn't mine. And, and she said, and the day came uh, for us to go to Vietnam and she said we drove to the orphanage and she said I was sitting in the parking lot ready to go into this orphanage to pick up our, our child and, and she said I, again I just said Lord I still don't know I don't know if I can do this. I, I want to love them like they deserve to be loved, Lord, and I just don't know if I have it in me. And so she said she got out of the car, and she was walking in, and, and she said they, they walked through the front door and, of the orphanage, and she said this little lady came came to the door, and she was followed by all these children running towards them. And, and she said, Rhea, it was just like I could see it on their face where, where they were thinking, is this the day that I get picked? Is this the day that I get chosen? Is this the day that I get a family? And she said, you could just see it on their faces. And, and she said, the lady literally just turned around and randomly picked up a child and, and gave it to me. And she said, this little boy, he, he flung his legs around my, my waist and his arms around my neck, and he laid his head on my shoulder. And she said, Rhea, I wish you could have seen him. He was, he was pale, and he was emaciated. And, and he said, she said, his nose was running, and his eyes were matted. And she said, he had lice through, running through his hair that, that she could just visibly see. She said he had worms so bad that on the flight on the way home he was vomiting and he was vomiting worms. And she said, but Rhea, I'm going to tell you, I took one look at that little boy. And she said, he wrapped his arms around me and I wrapped mine around him. And she said, Rhea, I looked at him and I picked his, his dirty little face up and I looked at him and I said, you are mine and I'm going to take you home and I'm going to clean you up and I'm going to give you a name and I'm going to love you like you've never been loved before. And she told me that story and all I could think about is this scripture that says, you have not been given a spirit of fear that will lead you again to be a slave of fear but you've been given a, a, a spirit of sonship, of sonship. You see, that's what God did for me. He came into the orphanage of this world, and I'm going to just tell you, if there's anybody that needed cleaned up, it was Rhea Briscoe. If there was anybody polluted and full of the garbage of this world that was just polluted with it, dirty and filthy with sin, can I tell you, he came into the orphanage of my heart and he said, I choose her. And he picked me up and he said, I'm going to clean you up and I'm going to take you home and I'm going to give you a name. You see, the world had a name for somebody like me and it wasn't very nice. And he said, I'm going to pick you up and I'm going to give you a new name, Rhea Briscoe, a new name, a name that the mouth of the Lord has bestowed. 
and I'm going to make you mine. And you see, I preach with passion because I know whose I am. I don't belong to Dave Briscoe. I don't belong to my daddy. I belong to the Abba Father. I belong to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I've been chosen. I've been handpicked. And you see, that gives me power. It doesn't matter what you think about me. I know what he says about me. I know what he says about me. My daddy back home, Mr. Water in the basement. Thank you, Lord, that he's not going to have water in his basement. <laughs> Mess with me, I'm going to tell you. My daddy would have taken you by the collar if you had messed with me. I'll never forget, uh, you know, with a name like Rhea, you get called everything. Gonorrhea, diarrhea. I, I'll never, <laughs> kids are cruel. And I'll never forget one day that a teacher in school said to me, it's a good thing your mama named you Rhea because you have diarrhea of the mouth. And can I tell you, my daddy marched into school. <laughs> mess with me. You mess with my daddy. There's something about my dad. He's a big man and and. There's something about, I'll, I'll never forget when, when I was going through something really horrendous, the worst pain I've ever been through in my life. And, and I'll never forget, I, I was living in, in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I drove to Pennsylvania to be with my family because I just needed to be with my daddy. And, and, and I was awake late at night, and, and I was sitting at the kitchen table by myself, and I was crying because the pain was just so overwhelming in my life, and my daddy heard me, and he came out of the bedroom, and he, he came up to me, and, and, and he, he got down on the floor, and he, he took me in his arms, and, and, and I just was sobbing, and, and, and his legs were wet with my tears, and all of a sudden, I felt something hit my head, and I realized that he was crying with me, and, and he was crying for me, and he was feeling my pain, and it was, it was breaking his heart to see me hurt like that, and I thought that just gave me such a picture of my heavenly father. You see, you mess with me, you mess with him. You hurt me, you've hurt him. Whoever touches me touches the apple of God's eye. Mess with me, you've messed with him. You see, that's where you're living. That's the place that you live. You've been chosen. You are a daughter and a son of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And when you really come to a place that you can rest in that, when you really know who you are, it doesn't matter what people think about you. It doesn't matter what the enemy shoots at you. It doesn't matter what fear tries to attack you because it will. You can just nuzzle up. Nuzzle up to the Father and know that he's got it. He's got it. How many of you growing up had a daddy? You didn't have to. I didn't have to worry about food on the table. It, it, it was in my adult years that I realized that we were poor. I, I never realized I was raised in poverty. Never, ever was a thought that crossed my mind. It just, I just thought we had everything because my daddy just, uh, he just took care of me. There was always food on the table. I didn't know what a struggle it was for him. There's always food there. I always had clothing on my back. I didn't want for anything. You see, when you understand whose you are, when you understand that you are a child of the king, he has you. He has you. You are a son. You are a daughter. I want you to flip over. I'm going to close, but I, I, I want to get to this story before I do. Because we have a choice at anything in our life to either choose fear or choose faith. And I want to give you an example of that before you leave here. 
Turn over to Numbers 13. Now, now we've been talking all along about how Moses, God said to Moses, I want you to go to Egypt, and I want you to set my people free. They were slaves, and Moses goes into Egypt. We talked about Pharaoh and the plagues. We talked about how they began to wander through the wilderness, and God said, I have this promised land for you. It's a promised land. Who knows that when God makes a promise, he means it. Is this Bible, the word says that these are his promises and they're yea and amen to those who believe. He means what he says. When he says he'll be your deliverer, he'll be your deliverer. When he says he'll be your healer, he'll be your healer. When he says he'll, he'll be your provider, he'll be your provider. When he makes you a promise, he'll keep it. You can trust him. He's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. He's not going to change his mind. Those promises are yea and amen. And so he means what he says. So he says to the Israelites, I'm going to give you this promised land, and it's a land that's flowing with milk and honey. Anything you could want is going to be there. It's a land of provision. It's a land of plenty. It's a land of abundance, and I'm going to give it to you. It's my promise, okay? And so they spend the next 40 years wandering through the wilderness to get to this promised land. Now, now, we all think, at least I did, that they spent 40 years wandering through the wilderness. But really, they did not. <laughs> they, they spent 38 of those 40 years living in a place called Kadesh Barnea. And Kadesh was just right outside the promised land. In fact, they, they could see the promised land from Kadesh. They, they, they could see it on the horizon there. They could look at it. They could, they could see what they were going to get. They could see the promise of God. But, but, but they didn't go to possess it. They were that close, but they never went in to possess it. They, they camped in Kadesh. They were just short of sight of it. <laughs> but they didn't go in and possess it. They, they instead settled in Kadesh. You see, sometimes we trust him to a point, but not enough to give us victory. We trust him till we see the promise, but we don't ever possess the promise. You see, they were in sight of the promised land, wandering in the wilderness, and then they got defeated, having seen God's power over and over, and now on the verge of possessing it, they became paralyzed by fear. You say, well, how do you know they were paralyzed by fear? Here, here's what they did. You see in Numbers 13, they, they say, no, Moses, let's, let's go in and let's send some spies in to spy on this land to, to check it out for us. Well, well, God in Numbers 13, it looks like it's his idea. But really, if you go over to Deuteronomy 1, we find out it's the people's idea to send these spies in. That's important because, you see, God had told them everything they needed to know. I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give it to you. Trust me. And I want you to be bold and courageous because I'm with you. You, you don't have to worry. Don't be afraid of them, he says, of, of the giants, of the enemy. Don't, don't be afraid of them because I'm with you. I want you to be bold and courageous. Don't be fearful. Don't be fearful. I got this one. And I'm promising you it's yours. So, so really, did they need to send spies in? Because God had already told them it was theirs. But, but so God agrees, they send these, these 12 spies in, two of which are Caleb and Joshua. That's important. And they go into this, this, uh, to, to the promised land, and they spy it out for something like 40 days. And they come back, and they, have they, they see that it is good land. In fact, it's so good that they have a cluster of grapes that's so big, they have to hang it on a pole and carry it with two men. 
That's how big this grape is. And, and what they're saying is, this is a land that's fertile. It's a good land. God is exactly right. In fact, in, in, in uh, Numbers 13, they say, truly, truly, it is a land flowing with milk and honey. God was right. He made what he says. And then it's followed with, nevertheless. <laughs> Isn't that what we do? Truly, God, you are my provider. Nevertheless. This is a big one, Lord. <laughs> Truly, God, you are my healer. Nevertheless, I got this issue. Truly, Lord, you are my deliverer. Nevertheless, I, I, this is a tough case, Lord. D don't we do that? So he says, Truly, this is a land flowing with milk and honey. Nevertheless, the people are massive, Lord. The people are, are giants. We can't go in there. They are big, 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 big. They, they, they got fortified cities. There's no way we're taking this one. And we were like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Isn't that what the enemy does? He makes us look power, powerless. He makes us look small. That's when fear comes in, when we start looking at our problems with, with, through our own eyes. Well, when, when our problems look big and we look small, when really we need to be looking at them through faith because our problems may be big, but our God is bigger. Do you see the difference? Our problems are big and we are small, that's where fear comes in. Or our problems are big, but God is bigger, that's where faith comes in. Do you see the difference? We are like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Well, get your eyes off yourself and onto the promise of God. And you and I need to do the same with our fear. When the enemy comes and says, be, be afraid of this, your son's going to be a prodigal all his life, you need to say, no, uh, that might be the case if I were handling this on my own. But, but can I tell you, I've been chosen. I have a spirit of sonship. I know who my daddy is. And my daddy says, my sons will be taught by the Lord and great will my children's peace be. So sorry that that's going to happen in my life. Deal with it, enemy. We've got to start doing that. We've got to start doing that. And you see, Caleb, the, the other ten spies came back, and they gave a report of fear. But Caleb, the Bible says, if you look over, I think it's in, in Numbers 14, it says that Caleb was a man with a different spirit. Oh, I just love that. Do you not want a different spirit? I want a different spirit. I, I want a spirit that answers something different even when the world says something, something contrary. I think it's Graham Cook that says, Caleb, that word different really means opposite. He was a man of an opposite spirit. Oh, do you know how much different our life would be if we started responding in an opposite spirit? I have somebody who's nasty to me in my life. Nasty, 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 nasty. Don't like her one little tiny bit. And God said to me a number of years ago, I want you to respond to everything she does in an opposite spirit. I'm like, are you for real, Lord? <laughs> he says, as a matter of fact, every year I say to him, Lord, what's the thing you want to teach me this year? And that year he said meekness, and I laughed out loud, and I told everybody I knew, the Lord said he's teaching me meekness this year, and I told him that's going to be the best, the best uh, miracle since crossing the Red Sea. Because <laughs> I was like, Rhea Briscoe, meek? I, I don't think so. Can I tell you, he taught me meekness, and he used that person to do it. And he said, Rhea, everything she does to you, I want you to respond in an opposite spirit. When she's nasty, you be kind. That's going to take an opposite spirit, all right, Lord, because Rhea can handle her nasty. She can be nasty, I'll be 20 times worse. I'm telling you, I got it in me. Mess with me. I got it in me. Trust me. Nasty girl, it's in me. 
I hate that it's in me, but it's in me. And I was like, how about I just tell her a thing or two, Lord? I would like to do that instead. Because I could make sure she wasn't standing when I was done with her. How about we do that? Good idea, Rhea. No, Rhea, we're going to teach you meekness. And you're going to respond with an opposite spirit. So for the past, I don't know, three, four years, everything she did, I heard him say, opposite spirit, Rhea. She does you dirty, you do her kind. She says something mean about you to somebody, you say something kind about her to somebody. I'm like, are you for real, Lord? <laughs> but I'm telling you, it works. Because you see, she may be in turmoil. I may be pushing every button she has, but I got some peace in me. I got some peace because that's what happens. There's a promised land to possess. And when we respond in an opposite spirit, when we say, I'm, not com I'm coming at this with a different spirit, I'm not going to respond with a like spirit. Caleb said, I'm not coming at this with the same spirit. Y'all can give a report of fear, but I'm giving a report of faith because I know what God said. I know what he said. And so Caleb saw the exact same thing everybody else saw. He saw the giants. He saw the fortified city. He saw everything. But he made a choice. You see, faith is a choice to trust God. Faith isn't dependent on feeling. Faith doesn't look at the natural and is moved. Faith says, okay, I see the giants. I see the fortified city. I, I see it, but I also hear what God said. And so I'm going to choose God. I'm not going to choose fear. And he says, we can definitely overcome them. Don't, don't worry. We can handle this. And here's what I love. This is what I want you to see before we close. Turn over to Numbers 14, verse 9. This is Caleb. And he says, only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. <laughs> what bothered me is, how were they rebelling against the Lord? Because the Lord had said, do not be afraid. Be bold and courageous because I'm with you. They were rebelling against that because they were choosing fear over faith. He says, don't rebel against the Lord or, be or, or fear the people of the land. For they are our bread. We're going to devour them. But here's what I want you to see in all of this. Their protection has departed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Here's what I want you to see. That word protection, it means defense. Their defense has departed. I wanted to know what it was. I looked it up in the, word, in the, in the original language. Do you have any idea? I wish I had a drum roll because this is so, so good. <laughs> he who dwells in the what? The shelter in the shadow of the Most High. The shadow. That word defense, that word protection is the word Shadow! It's the same word that's used in Psalm 91.1. The exact same Hebrew word. Are you, anybody with me? Did I lose you? Go back to, to Psalm 91.1. Oh, oh, just flip over there and just look at that. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty, the protection of the Almighty. Their protection, their defense has departed. You see, they're walking in disobedience, and so their defense, their protection has departed. Oh, we can take them. We can overcome them. They're ours. What are you fearing them for? Their protection has departed. Rhea, go at her in a different spirit because her protection. She got out from under the shadow, Rhea. 
She's behaving in a way that's not of me, Rhea. Don't you dare get in a place where your protection departs by behaving in the same manner. Oh, somebody say hallelujah. That's just good stuff. And we're going to come at them with an opposite spirit. Oh, Caleb was a man of an opposite spirit. Anybody here tonight want to be a man and a woman of an opposite spirit? That means this week, when fear grips you, respond in faith. When somebody shoots their arrow at you, respond in an opposite spirit. When, when, when everything seems to be coming down upon you, respond in an opposite spirit. Everything in you wants to be afraid, respond in an opposite spirit and choose faith. Because he has promised that when you're under his shelter, when you're in the secret place with him, no terror can befall you. None. Zip. Zilch. You don't have to receive fear. You can receive faith. Because he is faithful even when we are faithless because he cannot deny himself. One last thing I want to tell you is that the name Caleb, I looked it up. And it means dog. And I was like, how could you? I don't understand that, Lord. And so as I began to look up the word Caleb a little bit more, I found out that it was really from a compound word that meant wholehearted. Wholehearted devotion, which is where they, they believe that dog really came from the word Caleb because it's, a dog is devoted. We have a dog, Armani, who pushes every button I have. And because here's what he does. I get up and walk out of the room, he walks out with me. I, I go into the bathroom, he comes to the bathroom with me. If I close the door, he will sit right outside the door till I'm done in the bathroom. Uh, I will tell you, at night we go to bed, we won't let him in our bedroom. When I get up in the morning, he is parked right in front of my door. He does not move. He, I, he pushes every button I have. I can't even get a cup of coffee. He's behind me. He just loves me. He loves me. He's devoted to me. He's a dog. I had to chuckle when I saw Caleb meant wholehearted devotion. And that's where dog comes from. And because that's the kind of heart he had. He was wholehearted devoted to God. He was wholly devoted to him. He was on his tail like a dog, like Armani's on my tail. Devoted. I want to be everywhere you are. I want to go with you. I don't care where you're going. I'm coming with you, Lord. I'm going to be on your tail like Armani's on me. I want you to know I'm wholehearted devoted to you. Are you wholeheartedly devoted to him? I want to be a woman of an opposite spirit who's wholeheartedly devoted to God. How about you? That comes when we dwell in the secret place. When we get to that place of intimacy with him. It's intentional. You, you can't just wish it. You have to choose to get in that place. We choose every day. I prayed with our team tonight before we came up, and they were praying for you all. Their hearts were just pouring out for you all. And, and, and I, I, I waited till they were finished, and then I began to pray, and I said, now we want to pray for ourselves. And I said, I, I want to pray for our hearts. <laughs> I want to pray that the lusts of this world, that the things that, that cheat us out of time with you, the things that we put before you, that you'd strip them away. We have to be intentional. We give time to television. We give time to shopping. We give time to, to, to going away with our friends and having coffee with our friends, but we don't give time to our Lord. We can make time for everything else. I said, oh, Lord, look in my heart and tear away anything 
that's, that's taking time away from you. That's become a, a love above you. Anything that I'm bowing down to instead of bowing down to you, put your finger on those things in my life. I want wholehearted devotion to you. I want to be a Caleb. I want to be a Caleb. And so, Father, I pray for every man and woman in this place tonight. I pray for a Caleb-type spirit, Lord. I pray for wholehearted devotion. Father, I pray that you'd strip away anything that competes, Lord, for your place in our life. Anything that, that cheats us out of time with you, anything that we put before you, Lord God, I pray that you'd put your finger on it. I thank you, Lord, that you're a jealous God. I pray, Father God, that you just draw us to you. Lord, I pray that you give us hearts that seek hard after you. Lord, I pray that there will be a revelation of sonship in this place, Lord God. I pray that every orphaned heart, every heart that feels like they're alone, every heart that feels like, like they've been abandoned, every heart that, that feels like they've been orphaned by this world, Lord God, I pray that you would just speak the, such, a, such a, a knowledge of sonship into them, Lord such a knowledge of sonship, that they would know who they belong to, that they would know who they are in you. And Father, I pray for every person here tonight who is tormented by fear, who's haunted by fear, Lord God, whether it be fear of man, fear of abandonment, fear of rejection, fear of the dark, fear of of destruction, fear of, of, of whatever it is, Lord God. They're all irrational. They, they all don't make sense, Lord God. I pray that, that, that you would just speak peace into their life, Lord, that you would give them a knowledge, that, that, that you have given them a sound mind, that you've given them a spirit of power, Lord God, and that they would begin to tap into that power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, and begin to tackle and confront those fears in their life. Lord, teach us. Teach us how to get to that secret place with you. Teach us how to, how to develop that intimacy with you. Lord, forgive us for not loving you enough. Lord, forgive me for not loving you enough. Stir a passion in each one of us, Lord. Give us a spirit of wisdom and of revelation that we might know you better, Lord. We want to know you better. We want to know you better. I pray that every person in this room, Lord God, that your word would come alive to them, that they would have an understanding of your word like they've never understood it before, Lord, that the words would just jump off the page at them, that it would be like the very, that the, the, you would speak and write into their ears, Lord, thank you that you have given us a spirit of truth that will guide us into all truth, that will teach us, Lord God. I pray for the Holy Spirit to just be so real in their life this week, teaching them and instructing them in the things of God. We love you, Lord. And we give you praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.